This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from Kingdom of the Wicked and Dan Brown's origin. There's also mention of Lord of Shadows, House of the Dragon, Priory of the Orange Tree, and the Black Witch. For full list, please see show notes. And welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I am Laura Marie. And I am Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The Oleander Sword by Tasha Suri. This is book two in the Burning Kingdoms trilogy. Now, as we always say on Akafe Podcast, because we love consistency, always... Meet your idols. Jess, how are the idols in this book? I'm glad we did this time because (laughs) completely different than what I had in mind compared to the first book. The first book, I just thought like, okay, they were there. Well, they as referring to the Yuxa, of course. Terrifying. Terrifying in this book. And I think we were chatting about it earlier where in the first book, you're not – you're unsure of how involved they're going to be. You just knew about the poems and the rivers and they're kind of just there. And then in, in the second book, you're like, oh, that was just a means to an end for them. This is this is the real shit that they're into. Yes. These these gods, these yaksa are absolutely terrifying. Always meet your idols so you know who you are worshiping. And oh my goodness. Uh, I think this episode just fair warning to everybody. It's just going to be Jess and I gushing over this book. Uh, Love this book. Uh, Jess pointed out that we didn't really know the Yaksa in the first book, and we do know them in the second book. I think that can be a fair statement for the whole book in general. Like, book one is a good book one to set it up. Book two just, just ran, and I am floored by this. No, it's so strong. Um, and, you know, every, you know, the second book could always go one of two ways with a lot of trilogies and series. It's either where things really get like really start picking up or I don't know if I want to keep reading this. That is not the case with this, at least between Laura and I. Um, it's such a strong book. Um, but I did go into it with some hesitancy, um, only because, Laura, you had read this and then you were like, you know what? I need to read it again to get a better grasp at it. And then you read it like an additional time, probably like, did you read the whole thing or just kind of like no. perused it that third time? Uh, so I, I read it once a couple months ago. I read it again this week. I finished it on Wednesday and then I just started it over again. Okay. So I, I'm like like 30% in at this point. So like 2.5 times. Um, But that being said, you gave me kind of this disclaimer when I started reading this book, you said, you know, pace yourself, which I did. Um, and because I also pretty much read it at speed. I read it at like 1.2 and 
you also said this is going to be great preparation for you for when you eventually uh, get into Game of Thrones because it's so politically heavy, which those two things alone are already really intimidating to me. The last time we did like a super, this felt more high fantasy compared to other books. Um, and and I am immediately thinking of Priory and Priory was already an intimidating book for a lot of people. So I was already like, oh my God, like, how am I going to comprehend this? This book was so good that I want to do a second reread um, to get more out of it immediately. I just kind of want to go back into it. And then you would totally benefit from rereading this before the third book comes out because I think it's just it's so much information but not in a bad way you're just completely immersed but it does take a minute or you know a little bit to get back into it if you didn't come from immediately from the jasmine throne if you didn't read it back to back or if you didn't do a reread you have to kind of find your footing again I think No, you absolutely do, because it starts with a cold open with a character that we haven't met before. So if you're just and and I was very guilty of this. The first time I read this, I was not sucked in immediately. I was like, who is this? I'm not like I'm not really feeling it. It took me a couple of chapters before I was like, oh, mm, yeah, all right. All in Uh, because of that cold open with a character that we didn't know. But there are a lot of characters that we do know. Jess, who who are they? Yeah, we have a lot. I mean, basically, everybody's back from the first book. You have Priya, Ma- uh, Malini, Seema is back. She's Priya's assistant. You have Rook, Boomika. We love Boomika. Um, Chandra, who is Malini's brother. Ashuk, um, which I thought he was dead in the first one, but we'll get into that. Um, and then we have Kartik, Aditya, Rao, Razia, and the Yuxa. Yuxa? Yuxu. No, Yuxa. Yep. Yuxa. Yeah. And, and think of them as how you have the surreal and then you have a surreal. It's kind of that same plural singular concept. You have the Yuxa. And then in certain situations, there is a Yuxa. So yes. think of it like that. Yes. And there are other characters, but they are like sporadically mentioned or they're named or, or there's a lot of like low princes and a lot of like politics stuff. Just like minute details that we are just not going to discuss here. Yeah. And even so, because and, and I think some of us are collectively guilty of like if you're coming from an SJM fantasy world, if that's like your um kind of like your 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 gateway into fantasy there's a, with those lots of names there's also ch- each of the chapters it'll be like a chapter number and then the person's point of view that you're in some of those characters have a chapter so that could throw you off and they just wind up being bridge characters really to get you from like one point in the book to another yes and they're all really good okay so we mentioned we mentioned that uh the Opening starts with a cold open with Karthik, and he's very important. Uh, you know, let's get right into it. He's the faceless son. He's the one that kind of sets up the schism in the priests, and he's there at the end. Oh, boy. Huh. I love when he goes, they're like, oh, the nameless son. And he's like, well, not anymore. Yes. <laughs> he's just like the sarcasm. Yeah, right. like, oh, I tried. Too bad. Tried. Yeah. 
so good. And, and I like this because he's just, uh, he's just a, uh, servant in the temple and he overhears, you know, everybody's overhearing everybody. This is politics. And, uh, he overhears and oversees Molony and he hears the priest say that they have never seen anyone more like righteous and pious. And that like really stuck with him and that, you know, that carries us through. Uh, my gosh. The language used here, I'm going to say it's flowery. I'm not trying to be like punny, but it is. And it's very descriptive and it's very beautiful. And it's also very horrific. And I have to tell you, these sequences that we have with Priya, where she's trying to like cure the rot from the land and like curing or like the buds, again, with the body horror, with the buds and things. But in this book... As, as we're going to continue to say, everything is more. And here I, I felt the descriptions painted, uh, like a lushness, right? Like, because, um, and I'm going to bring this up, but the yaksa are so fucking scary because they demand that you carve out your heart and like hollow yourself and, and they are responsible for the rot and they see the rot as transformative and they call it blooming and new life. They want to make everyone like them. Uh, so when Priya is out there and she's stopping the rot and she so she's like actively stopping. And it's one of the things that she like, I, I want to say powers that she got from being thrice born um, that we find out at the end of the first book, the Jasmine throne, because it was, you know, and I think she's kind of there, there's kind of like a, a passage of time. It doesn't pick right up, obviously, where the first book left off. But um, you understand that there's been growth, there's been change, like, you know, things are happening and Parajaptiva. Uh, then there's also stuff happening in Aharanya. Uh, and there's, you know, every, you know, you pick back, you know, when we're with the characters, you're like, okay, this is where we are at a point in time. This is what's been happening. But one of the main things that's been happening with Priya is she is stopping the rot and people are asking her to leave where, you know, where she's kind of in this area with Bumaka and, you know, she's she's going out into I, I don't want to say the villages, but like amongst the people in Aharanya. Yes. And she's she's like doing her best because there are only two thrice born. There's only two elders. It's just her and Bumaka. They are the temple elders. They're running the country. They're responsible for everybody. So they are doing their best. So like Bumaka runs the country and Priya's out with the people doing the like practical application of the work that Bumaka does with the highborns. It's all it's all just like so fantastic. Uh and then and then Malini, Malini is on procession to Saketa to the high prince. So that's what she's doing and she's dealing with her politics. I want to stop here and say already we have discussed Bumaka and Priya and Malini. These are three bad bitches. These are these are amazing women. And it reminds me of a quote from one of my favorite books. Uh, this is Excalibur by Bernard Cornwell. And the opening line of that book is women, how they haunt this tale. And that is that is so applicable here because those three women and their actions are shaping this entire book. And they are amazing. Amazing. And in every capacity, and we were chatting before how, you know, you have Malini, who is very self-aware. You have Priya and Bumaka, who are constantly 
being given choices. I mean, Malini, too, that you're just like, what is the lesser of the two evils? And I actually saw somebody on TikTok say, um, I wish I had the user, but he even said, this is a perfect example of these women do everything right. The entire book, the way things are, you know, I say, quote, the way things are supposed to be. And it's still not enough. No, it's still not enough. And they are hindered by the men at every single turn. Yeah. And I mean, that's not fantasy. That is very much the world in which we live. Yes. And it's so frustrating, especially with Malini. Like, she's empress. She has to, like, you know, like, empress without a throne. But like she has to deal with all these fucking men who do not respect or listen to her really about any sort of military uh strategy no and you know that's one of the things that i who i is she is she having the conversation with mahesh where she's basically saying she's like i this is where i am her brother aditya he didn't even want the fucking throne Adi- i cannot st- mm. <laughs> mm. but to go with that it's the people well Aditya is still alive. So, like, they're kind of dismissive with you because there's still a chance that Aditya will come into... And Aditya is the firstborn. He's the first brother. He's supposed to have the throne. And Chandra is the little brother who's like, when everybody gave everybody more attention and I have small dick energy and, like, when Because, oh, because the way you hate Aditya... I mean, we've always hated Chandra, like, since the beginning. But you want to talk about the misogyny in this book. Chandra is burning up women. Bodies, you know, there's just bodies burning and women specifically and he even says like mon- you know he refers to women as monsters with the faces of women like yeah his misogyny just bleeds through and he can't stop using them either so like he's not only is he burning them and relishing in their pain and and wallowing in his self-righteousness he is then stealing the dignity of their death and using their like ashes and stuff to create his false flame uh which is in itself blasphemy uh which Chandra does get his his just desserts and I do love that uh we'll talk about that later but damn damn he was frustrating but Ditya drives me fucking insane because the inaction of men and the willful ignorance of men is something that will always drive me insane. And Malini is my homegirl on this. She's like, she's like in her head. She's like, fuck, Aditya, all you had to do was stick your head out the tent and you would have known what was going on. But you're in here staring at your fucking water bowl, not helping anyone well and then it amplifies when she's like having the strategy and then he comes in like i'll do it lead this whole military regime and everybody like afterwards like did you expect that no that wasn't part of my fucking plan and he just like made everything worse especially when it's what's the word that i'm looking for because i'm so hyped up um kind of overrides her power in that moment where she's trying to be like in this political position to show ownership despite what everybody is trying to think i want to talk about i want to talk about the attack because all of this all of this kind of starts with the attack of uh chandra's false flame at the um maze fort of saketa at the high prince um the high prince whose daughter is the wife of Chandra. All of these connections, all of these connections. Uh, that battle, 
again, I I think I said it in the first book, but I think this would really be beautiful on screen. Uh, Just uh, I because uh, Game of Thrones, the OG, did a lot with uh, fire arrows and the beauty of like arcing like fire arrows and stuff and how that can be like very cinematic. And I think in situations like this, where this false flame is, uh, they say like dancing and twirling and like, um, like catching on on things that shouldn't burn. I think that would be like strangely lovely on screen, especially if it were dark. But in this situation, I was so stressed for Molony. She's trying to get that conk, and those fucking men are not listening to her, and and they are freaking out, and they don't know what to do, and she has to call retreat. And then the general is just like, "We well, shouldn't have done that." Fuck you. How many times did you shake your head reading this? Be like exasperated where some of these instances and things that were being said. Were you just like, of course, of course. I honestly just kept thinking of how much of a better person Molony is because I just would have like, for a lot of instances like this, I just would have stabbed someone in the neck. That's just like what would have happened. I just know myself and it, it just would have been so bad because they they would be like, no, your soldiers need to because that, that's what happens. He's like, no, uh, you know, sacrificing soldiers because that is like an undercurrent theme of this book is like what sacrifice is, what it means and like who it benefits. Right. Well, and the, I think there's even that not only is that a plot and a theme, it's also said at one point, you know, it's like who. Is it really a sacrifice if not if you don't lose out on something? Yes. Oh my gosh. There's 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 so there's so much here. There's so much here. Uh, but the fact that Molony has to sound retreat, and then the soldiers are like, "No, we just should have like kept dying." You know, it'll they'll they'll win eventually. And Molony's like, "No, no, 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 no. You did this without my approval. You know how I want things to go." Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. And I'm going to publicly shame you about this. But I'm also going to privately shame you about this under the guise of being like, I'm going to warn you out of respect. But really, I'm just going to berate you twice. Fuck you. Queen well, speaking status. Speaking of berating, how about when uh, Malini is doing her like letters over to love the pen palling love the pen palling and Bumika's reading her letters and reading the letters from Malini to Priya and Priya's like you've been reading my letters but you knew all this didn't you already and she's like I'm not reading your letters I'm reading the letters from the empress of (laughs) who is writing to me Lady Bumika of Aharanya who is writing to one of my to my top elder (laughs) she's like "Mm -mm -mm." and she's like i don't know you know at first there's all the emotional back and forth um and and, well we could get into the pen the pen palling of it all later but when you have molony's people try to berate priya publicly once priya eventually gets over to where molony is and she goes so i'll give you a choice because and she gave him two choices you could either do this apologize or you can take it out on your men mm-hmm. you pick because i heard she wasn't the first one who who went down swinging kind of thing 
Yep, she's like, she didn't swing first. Fuck you. Like, we love it. We love... They're they're just both fucking queens. They're just so... the Women, right? Yes. They're just all so good. I can't get over it. That's all I'm going to be saying this whole episode. I I want to make a Black Witch connection here. So when we're talking about the first attack with the false flame at the, the maze fort of Saketa... Uh, before Priya gets there, because after this is when Priya goes. Um, they call it Mother's Fire. They're like, no, this is Mother's Fire. This is Mother's Flame. This is Flame of the Mothers. Uh, and it makes all of these men flee and run in panic. And I just find it very similar to the Black Witch, where you have this this male oppressive society that used women as a weapon and then that image is used to strike fear into men for the rest of history it is just it it is really something somebody write a paper on that you want to sort of journal (laughs) do it myself i'll do it myself i'll do it myself uh but yeah i just i just find that so interesting i i love i love when that is there while also like and with that to have the fear while also worshiping yes at the same time yes because i didn't even make that black witch connect uh connection because that's deeply devoted deeply Mm -hmm. devoted and then I, I did not even make that connection because then they want to shit on them the entire time. I mean, they don't even want Malini as an empress. It's I didn't. It's just a reoccurring thing in so many cultures. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It is it is so so very interesting. Uh, okay, we're talking about Ashok. Ashok rising from the water. This this whole sequence. Uh, this is what I got like a shiver. I got a shiver when I was reading this and I was like something, this is, this is, mm, this is an mm, dread moment. Uh, because he, cause the descriptions is like, uh, his face was like moss and then it was hard wood and then the skin grew like over it. And then he, there was an entity inside of him that was sleeping and then his skin was speaking to the entity. And we know at this point, that one of the places that the rot resides is in the water. Yes. It's just like, gosh. So Ashok rising. Uh, and it, it says like he's woken and reborn. Um, that he's the brother. And of course, you know, spoiler alert, obviously, like he is, he, he's the guy. Like this is our guy. This is who Ahiranya is named after. He's our man here. Uh, but he's wearing Ashok as like a skin so that this is, this is, this is not good. I think listeners know that I really love religion. So this this whole religion plot line here and this whole priest schism, uh, I will be honest, the first time took me a little bit. It took me a little bit. The second time I got it, the third, the third, like, you know, little bit that I read of it, I really kind of got it and I got kind of clues. And uh, I just want to say it's really well written. Jess, what did you think of the religious politics here? I feel like, like I said in the earlier the, earlier in the episode, I can definitely benefit from a second reread. Um, not because I didn't understand. I mean, it's just so rich. It, it, it's so good. And I'm trying to think of like how I want to say it. But there's really not much. Like it's good. It's rich. It's detailed. 
I feel like I want to have a hard copy of this book. Definitely. And on top of that, like I want to, I want two copies. I want a signed copy if that exists somewhere. And then I want like, I'll use the quote, like a scrapbook copy. I don't write, I don't highlight in a lot of my books, but I feel like this is a perfect book where I could also see, um, use it for academia and just like highlight it and make notations and make all those connections. Um, because there's just so much that you can take from it. I, I, I it's, but I, I think. A lot of people, if you're not used to high fantasy, if you're not used to politics, if you're not used to um, just like conversations about religions um, and different sects of it, because that's a, that's a big thing in this book, too, that we were talking about, because it's not just there's so many subcategories. Everybody kind of has their own little kingdom while making the alliances trying to survive, trying not to go to war. You you want to make sure everything's kind of lined up. Gosh, now I'm terrified for Game of Thrones. No, you can get Game of Thrones. Uh, so I think the religions here. Okay, so we have the nameless, and the nameless are the ones that uh, look into the water and get prophecies. That is Aditya and Rao, and then you have the Mothers of Flame. And that is Chandra, and that is burning women. And then you have the Yaksa, Yaksa, and then within the Mothers of Flame, yes, within the Mothers of Flame, there is a sect called the Nameless or like the Faceless Mother. That is who Karthik. That is Karthik's from the sect beginning. Right. Okay. from the beginning. That's Karthik's Karthic sect. And they have all of the names of the mothers tattooed on them so that you can worship any one of them. It's kind of like a universal situation, the faceless mothers. So that is that. And they are like the warriors kind of. Because like, Karthik trains all of the warriors. We learned about the four sects in the first one. Too now that yeah. like yeah yeah, uh, but not in again not in as much detail. We have right. so much detail here, and it really helps to flush it out. Uh, I, again, it's it's just, it's just so good. Uh, the yeah, the faceless mother, uh, and because I bring this up because uh, one of the priests of the faceless mother is the one who saves Malini from this false flame, and you know she goes and verifies. The priest is one of the faceless mother priests. Um, you know, she checks the body and then later, you know, she and Priya go to the temple and they confirm everything there. Um, but that priest that saves Malini's life was sent to make contact with her to start this plot a lot faster. He just saved her life and died before he could start the message. And I just found that really interesting. Like they they were trying to set this up from the beginning he just like died before he got his message out. Whoops. Yeah, like whoops. <laughs> but I do, I appreciate that though, because it's not like they weren't trying, you know, like, like it's not like, what was one of the things we said with Kingdom of the Wicked where, where we were saying like, oh my gosh, so much could have been prevented if you were, if like the grandmother was even willing to have the conversation with Amelia and her sister when they were younger. So it wasn't for lack of communication. There was just a roadblock in that communication. Yes. Okay. Jess, 
when we have no we have some (laughs) we have some as you so eloquently put it bridge chapters uh, where the yaksa are um waking up and ashok is going to get his sisters and brothers from the trees their bones and like pull them up from it's all very it's all very graphic and, and and like deep earth and like all of this stuff and their faces are like moss their teeth are like fruit pits that are sharpened all of this stuff um Bumika has a migraine. I feel that. And Bumika's migraine doesn't get better until the Yaksa show up at her door. And I love Bumika so much where she's just like, well, this is a crazy fucking situation. What do I do here? Um, well, I'm going to get on my knees and praise the gods because uh, they're scary in person. <laughs> Appreciate the fuck out of her. I she's I love her so much throughout this whole book. Every time it would be like, I'm just randomly saying a chapter number 19, Boomika. And I was like, boss bitch, Boomika. I was so excited because I love her. I love her. She's so practical. She I mean, she even brings up the quote that she said in the first book where her and Priya are talking and she goes, but what about Malini? And, you know, if it ever gets to a point where I have to unalive her and they were, you know, when they were just talking about strategy, like political strategy and their war, she goes, "Uh uh-uh. That's for us to decide. We're not letting other people dictate how how circumstances are going to lay out, which is also kind of like now talking, saying it out loud. It's very foreshadowing to, for when Priya um, is talking to Seema and she's saying, oh, let's just get I just need you to do this to control the situation. And I was like, I can't control the situation if there's anything I've learned in my million years of life. Oh, is that at the end? Yeah. She's like, go give me a half hour and then go tell everybody that I betrayed the Empress. So like, so then it's like this and then it's like this, right? Yeah. 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 Which I understand, really understand the need of need for control. Nobody like, believe me, I understand. But when you're reading a book like this, where there's so many factors and so much, like so much politics, I'm like, this isn't going to go the way anything needs to go, no matter how much you think like, I got it. I'm just going to control the situation. I'm, I'm not frantic. It's going to be fine. Seema, go do this. It's, no, it's not going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. It's not going to be fine. Uh, and I think the thing that I love so much about Bumika is the first read that the first time I went through this, I was, I was kind of annoyed with was like, why are we getting so much with Padma, her baby? Oh. Like, why are we getting this? Why are we getting this? Of course, whoa, we understand. We understand why we get this at the end. Uh, but I, I just love that 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 she she recognizes that she like Bumika is being selfish. Like towards the end, when she makes her decision, she's like, no, this is going to be easy for me. I have no, I mean, have no memory of any of this stuff that I'm leaving. She's just. Oh my god, she's just absolutely the best. Uh something that is also really amazing that I loved was Malini asking Priya to like come help her and Priya being like okay, here I come and, and taking her friend and like doing I mean Priya's love for Malini is I, I'm trying to I I don't even think I have the right word. Her love for Malini just spans across anything and in that 
and you even see it at the end of the book in the epilogue where she goes, you know what? And, and she's and they're all very self-aware. All the women are very self-aware um, because Priya even says, like, I could love sh- hard enough and strong enough for both of us as long as she's safe. You know, like, this is what I had to do. And then even in one of the scenes with Priya and and Malini, where Malini's saying, are you angry that I don't love you as you do to me? You know, like little things of, you know, like we love each other, but maybe not in the same way. Or um, when Malini says like something about like, if I told her that I loved every bit of her, if, if I loved her without her power or with it, like she like Priya is part of her power as much as her power is a part of Priya. She's like, she would have heard the lie in that. She knows the type of person I am. I break down everybody's characteristics. Like, I am an empress. I am a leader. I also have to think politically to be, like, the pros and connings, the whole thing. She was like, so I'm not going to say anything at all. But that doesn't negate the love that she does have for her. I think that's just, like, a running also theme with a lot of the books that we talk about. And just because you don't, like, love or appreciate one way compared to another person, that doesn't negate um, how you care about somebody you care in the capacity in which you're able to. Well, and that is such a good segue to uh, what Malini asks Priya to do. And Malini throughout the course of the book asks Priya to do a lot and Priya always does do it. Uh, Malini asks Priya to come with her to the temple of the faceless mother to like kind of show her allegiance because nobody besides Malini wants Priya at the war camp. She's very suspicious. She's getting like harassed. Her people get the worst spot. Like everything sucks. And Priya has also been injured. Um, the false fire did burn her and she went to the Sangam and she was healed by Bumaka. I'm saying in air quotes because Priya and Bumaka have been cut off. Uh, from each other in the Sangdom. They are alone. And Priya is talking to a false Bumaka, uh, who is very fucking scary. <laughs> very scary. Scared the shit out of me. Uh, but it is through Priya. I, I don't know. I guess like her love language would be like what? Like acts of service. I feel like that's what it would be here because she's always fucking being of service. And Malini self-aware queen is saying like, I am using you. I am using you. I know that I am for your power, for what you can do for me. Uh, so I do appreciate that. But I have got to tell you, Priya humbling herself in the temple, like pissed me right off. But the the gift and the poli- like the politics will politic, the politicking of giving the false flame, the priest like to Malini and then like giving her all of this information about like, well, these rebels, there's a schism here. These rebels will help you. Like, you know, this is what we're going to do. And then the false flame. I love that. I love the idea of the false flame. And then Malini's whole like presentation of it. Right. And like holding it up and like watching it die. Ugh, it was very denarius, and I just loved it. Oh, this is like, see, this is where I feel overwhelmed. Where I'm like, how am I going to handle Game of Thrones? And then I, we did. I think when I when I was out to see you, you shared with me a whole um, Danny Targaryen montage, and I was like, I love her. I don't want. I'm not going to let anybody. I don't care where your opinions are, but things that I saw, she's going to be my favorite person. But I feel like it's going to go in that direction for here, too. I think so. But, I mean, we can pivot right to the absolutely 
amazing, fantastic display of power that Priya shows when everybody has to go to the river, right? We all have to go to the river. Uh, Rao et al. are going to stay at the fort in Saketa and try to hold it, but the rest of the army's got to go to the fort. They got to keep like going uh, to the city. They, they've got to win this fucking war. Uh, so Malini asks Priya again, like, go do something. Go over there. Go over there with these people that don't really like you, you know, these other low princes, and um, see what you can do and build a bridge so that we can get from over here over the river so that we can go, right? And it all goes to complete shit. Priya goes into the water and she strikes a deal with Bumika, not Bumika. And like, I swear to God, just like never strike a deal without knowing like details. Oh my God. But de- the desperation, I get it. And that could be said with Bumika too, because remember she goes to make the deal and she's like, but I need you to promise me. You have to promise me you'll take care of Padma and Padma's her daughter. And she's, they're like, well, we really can't promise that. And she's like, then what do you want? For me to do, you want these expectations. And that's the whole thing with I never it's like with bargains and loopholes and wishes and everything that we talk about um, in in past episodes. You're like, "Mm, there's a loophole here. If you're not making there's there's anytime there's some sort of bargain and we're reading about it. I'm just thinking, "Mm, no, this this is no bargain ever turns out well, unless your favorite Archeron. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Even that one took a little while. Yeah. But, but like, <laughs> but this one, this one is so scary, right? So Priya, um, so Priya is, needs, she goes to the Sangam, the Sangam, and she hears the voice like, uh, sapling and, you know, it's Bumika. She knows it's not Bumika and she has this like exchange. Um, the, the Bumika, not Bumika says like, your flesh is my strength. And, you know, like, I'm a, and then she goes, oh, you're a Yaksa. And she's like, yes. Um, worship, you know, you should worship me. Worship is a hollowing. You carve out a piece of yourself for a piece of us and we fill that space. Uh, and you know, and all, all of what that entails. And she's like, you know, this power, you know, power is magic and magic demands sacrifice again with our sacrificing. And then she's like, you took something. Like, you took something from us. We want it back. Um, you must return something to the Yaksa. And she's like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. We're like, fine, 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 fine. Uh, doesn't ask what that is. And the, uh, the Yaksa's like, details later. <laughs> later. Uh, and then, but uh, she makes that deal and she gets to use the strength. And because of that, she can, you know, throw a wall of water and build the bridge. And they do win that uh, situation. But like, Damn. Well, damn. Oh, and then specifically, Priya feels changed and she's inhuman and she has that whole situation where Rao has to pick her up from the water and she is not human. Didn't Rao wind up needing help too? Yeah. Am I missing that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because she was just like, it was just like, no, no energy. You know, she depleted herself and she was bleeding like flowers and like flowers were coming off of her and like flaking off of her. Oh, and they were saying like her, her like veins were like green. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like sap under her eyes. So they threw like a cloth over her so like nobody could see her. And um, Malini stayed with her in the tent 
It was very, very intense, but also very visual. Like I was in it. Like I could see it. Well, and and, and through. Oh, uh, you know what? No, I'll wait till the end because it's just a. It, it, it's based on description. I'll wait till the end. Uh, but they do. They do win this battle, and Priya love this. Priya and Malini do get their spicy scene. They get a spicy scene. They finally have spice and I love it for them. And uh, I I don't want to like get into it, but the detail that I picked up on on my read is that the flower uh, that was made from like Malini's pain from, you know, that Priya made for her that, uh, that they wear that Malini wears on her neck, the needle flower uh, pulses during their sex, like a heartbeat. So that is like a key that it's not quite. Well, I didn't even feel like it was a. Like, I guess some people would say it would be spice, but I just I felt like there was so much love there and respect that they have for each other that I I didn't even I was like good for them I am so happy because they have been struggling like they even at the beginning of the book when Molly is writing all her like pen palin she is she can't focus. She can't be a strong enough leader. She needs Molly, you know, she needs Priya there. And now Priya's there. And even when she sends Priya to, you know, be at the front of the lines, even though she, even though Priya, she, she considers like a last resort, because if you have to use Priya, that's pretty serious. Um, she just has the utmost respect for her. And even then she's like, what, what am I doing? Why is she over there? I hate that I'm not there to see what's happening. Like she's constantly consumed by Priya. It's so, it's so sweet. And she, she lets herself to an extent too, especially because like, uh, she writes the love letters and she has a whole trove that she never sends. And she just like hides in her, her like jewelry box. And she like takes them out at night to read them. Um, we're up to my favorite scene. Uh, my favorite scene is the Yaksa banquet scene with all of the highborns. I like this scene for a lot of reasons, but uh, it is very much the scene from the finale of Sleep No More in my head. The big orchestra, you know, the orchestra music playing with the graphics and the masks, and it's all very lush and like horrific, but also like gothic and scary. Uh, if, if you're in New York, go to Sleep No More. It's awesome. But that is the visual that I had here and I loved it. Um, very scary. But we learned a lot here. Um, we learned so much. Ashok tells Bumika so much here. And I just have notes that I just want to say real fast. So Ashok has been experimenting with Rook about cutting people off from the waters. Um, and if they do that, they lose like who they are. They lose all of their memories, but you gain like all of the memories of the Yaksa and all of their knowledge. And then Ashok also says like kind of who he, he's telling Bumika like who he is without saying like, this is me. So he's saying to Bumika, he's like, after the first Yaksa who was, um, who, who is talking right now to Priya in the song, you know, that her, um, after the first Yaksa, there was a second one, and that was a male. And he loved humans so much, and he's the one that created the temple structure. He's the one that loved the children and taught the children. He's the one that told them to pass through the waters, and he loved them so much that he kept the dead 
uh, with him to wear as masks. And he's the one that is inside Ashok, and he's the the one that the land is named after. He's the one that's also the the emotional. Like he he kind of gives that later in the book after the banquet scene. He's the one who's like. This isn't what the yuxa is feeling. This is what a shook, like the person's body, like you need to go off. You have to go handle this situation. Like I'm not telling I as in the yuxa is not telling you the soul in which I am embodying it. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, my God. It's so good. So much plot. Um, I... I love this banquet scene as I keep repeating, but I love it because the Yaksa are so scary. Again, always meet your idols, but they are scary in the way that beings that don't hold to like human, like morals and ethics are, they're like alien scary because they have their own code. So like to them, they're like, okay, we're going to bring all of the highborn here, all of them, all of them who could possibly betray us, anybody that could leave the country, right? They're self-isolating. That's what they are. They're like closing the borders. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we're going to bring you all here. We are going to feed you and like celebrate. And then we're going to turn you in. We're going to infect you with the rot, which is again, not, the rot is the end goal for yeah. the Yaksa. The Oh my god! I, they I, want things rotted, which is why they don't like Priya healing others from the rot. I just thought of something amazing. Say it. There is a Captain Planet parody. <laughs> no way. With I think it's Don Cheadle, and he's dressed up as Captain Planet, and he just turns everyone on the planet into trees, and at the end, he's just like. <laughs> I did it. I did it. They're all trees. I solved it all. They're all (laughs) gone. They're all trees. And that is exactly what the Yaksa want. They want to rule the world um, that they are gods of, and they want everyone to be as they are. And it's it's horrifying. And they do that to the highborn of the country so that they are forced to then work and politic within the country for their own benefit, or else the Yaksa will um, continue the rot and kill them. I am having a total brain freeze. What was the catalyst that had the Yaksa kind of take over? Because why now? You know, it's, you know, it's the, the age old question. Why now? What was the catalyst? And now I'm drawing a blank when that catalyst was because all we knew from the yaksa in the first book was bumika and priya they kind of you guided them towards the thriceborn process yes uh you know i'm not sure i think it might just be like a culmination of a bunch of like prophecy okay. and, and like time and like ma- you know like magic building i think it okay. just might be so i'm like wait i feel like <laughs> I, I skipped over something here, but okay. Yes. So good. I, I, I just, I just love it so much. And everyone is like horrified and everyone is like in different stages of the rot and you know, it's all, it's all different. And, and it's, it's so scary because Bumika comments uh, throughout the book 
up until this point about the vanity of of the highborn and how they they want to make money and they they you know they want to to betray them because they were better under Umber Chandra they move all, all of that stuff so now they are stuck quite literally um, in Anuranya working for that. Um, specifically, which oh, so good. Oh, the politics are so good, so good. Um, also really good is when Melanie finally meets Karthik, and they have like uh, an all out, and there's like plotting. There's just so much plotting there. It's just it's so good, right? Like, ugh. I mean, this whole book is. You know what I, I will say? This whole book is plotting. Is clearly war. I don't want to say world building. Because we got that in the first one. It's so detailed in a way that isn't exhausting. Um, and the plotting you're not tired of. Like, I, I'm, I will keep saying throughout this whole episode that it needs a reread to have a better grasp at it. Because if you had an addition, you know, you've read it two and a half times at this point adding in your world religious studies, adding in your your love for politics, everything that's included here, and you're like, wait, I need a minute, and me, just like some basic schmo. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I think it, could, it, it benefits everybody, and it, there's something you can take. Like, did you just have a better understanding the second time around, or did you, did you pick up on things more? Uh, the I really solidified things the second time around, and I just picked up on the on the the ideas of sacrifice and carving out pieces of yourself for other things, and then those other things becoming your whole life when really you just needed to be yourself in the first place. Right, right. That's really what all of this is. Um, so yeah, because there's little clues about that and and it's like, you know, to to go through the 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 waters, you have to have like a certain kind of traumatic horrible experience where you're willing to like give a part of give that feeling part of you away for something for power because you have to sacrifice feeling for power it's it's just all and because absolute power corrupts absolutely and you see that in Chandra and how he is so like horrifically misdirected but we'll get that in the end i get that but like i feel like at the same time as so many of us have unfortunately gone through different traumas and compartmentalized so much that like at that point you're like you know what take it i don't i've compartmentalized i forgot about it take it and i'll get a little extra power out of it i don't know that doesn't sound so bad If used, you know, but with great great power comes great responsibility, blah, blah, blah. I get that. And if absolute power corrupts absolutely, then um, even though the the people that have gone through the waters are immune, they have to watch the rot in other people, which is Mm -hmm. in and itself its own torture. So it's all all very poetic and interesting. Uh, I fucking love when the priest gives the Yaksa arm, uh, I think, to Rao, to Rao, uh, while Malini is meeting with Karthik. That is also very Game of Thrones um, and fantastic. And just this this tangible proof of a, like, I'm going to say esoteric. I think I'm using that wrong. Threat, right? Like a threat that's kind of like, oh, mm, that's kind of fake. But like, no, actually, this thing has come back to life. It was dead. 
it's coming back to life now and it's like moving and shit like this shit is getting real like you have your politics and your fight for the kingdom but also like we got this other shit happening but that's just consistent with so many things in fantasy and in politics where you're like no this is real this is real and then when the shit happens you're like i fucking told you it was real (laughs) you knew where i was going with that Mm -hmm. it's it's so good uh Something that is not good, but turns out to be good, turned out to be, turns out to be just chef's kiss, is the deal that Molony strikes with Karthik and the the priests, right? They say, like, all right, we're going to help you. Chandra's not good. He He's going to lead us all to ruin. But you have to promise that you will willingly burn on the pyre. We'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. It's fine. We'll put you as empress. But when you are there, you must die. Because that that's that's what all of this is. My note says, demand Malini burn for the priest's support. Which is like... Right? In that moment, because you're like... Oh. In that moment when it happens, you're like... I did it. Like, and I know this would be, for me, I did it all for fucking nothing. My mm-hmm. initial thought. Because you're like... You're going to acknowledge me. You're going to. I. Why did we just go through all of this? Right. Why did I just go through all of this to to end up right back where we started? Exactly where where he started and what triggered this whole thing. Yep. Uh, It's so frustrating. Uh, I said earlier that there's just like a lot of stuff that I wanted to bring up and talk about. Uh, Chandra has his own POVs here and, and he has his own, you know, just like talks with the high priest and and he is trying to like justify himself and and but in one of his povs uh, he does say that he is uh having nightmares and he starts to dream of women laughing at him and saying that he is wrong that there is no like afterlife for him and that he's just going to go to the void that is very similar uh to this is mm, to dan brown's origin uh, where there was a fanatic, uh, spoiler, I guess, for that, uh, there was a religious fanatic there that was, like, doing all of this crazy stuff. And he needed, there was, like, a spot on his head that he needed to, t- it was this whole thing. And, like, when he did that, he would go to, like, he would achieve whatever. And he did it all. And he went to whatever. And he got there. And it was nothingness. It was just, like, like nothing. I understand the importance of Chandra's point of view. Don't get me wrong. But I also hated it. Chandra would listen to Andrew Tate. And yes, he would. He was he would just number one fan. And he, I mean, he is the person that I would be scared of if I was, I would never leave my drink alone in a room with Chandra. Never. Never, ever, ever. Although he wouldn't be the one to do it. He would hire somebody to do it no because he's you know he can't get his hands dirty he can't but it's scary it's scaring because of the amount of hate that he has towards women i think that's that's the scariest part and i think it's scary like you have like the yuxa are scary and granted they're terrifying i think he's just as bad because at least with the yuxa when we were just saying like they have a different set of morals chandra is has none has no morals to begin with yeah and that's the terrifying thing because there are, again, the Yuxa are kind of like are, are mythical in this sense. And Chandra is very much a real person today. 
Yeah, he's just a dude with issues in a place of power. Yeah, because I was going to say, you can't even say, like, yeah, he ha- he's overseeing his area, but do- he doesn't have the true power that he's vying for because, like, he wasn't the firstborn and he's not his sister. Like, he's stomping his foot and and is angry about it. And this is how he's going about things. Yes. Uh, how the Yaksa are going about things is de- demanding that Melanie pay her price now, right? Uh, they are calling, the Yaksa are calling the bargain due because this is, we're getting towards the tail end of this book. And the Yaksa say, yeah, you know, you gave, you gave part of your heart to, to the Empress, to Melanie, cut that shit out and give it back to us. Go, go kill the Empress. That's what you got to do with this sacred, a very race and ruin uh, with this like sacred knife or whatever that's going to like sink into your skin. Go do that. And it's just like, damn, the consequences of my own actions. Like, <laughs> like when she said that, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course, that's what it is. Of course, that's what it is. Um, but in the chaos of the river, when she's making that bargain, you know, it's like, whatever. I totally get it. Um, talk to me about Bumika deciding what she decides here. She decides to to go with Ashok and and to learn how to destroy the Yaksa and to give herself and cut herself off from the waters and everything that she knows. And they kept saying that they can't promise that if she wasn't going to agree with it. Yeah, and then Ashok is like, okay, so we're going to sneak away and, and you're going to take, I believe it's Gunther, and, and we're going to go and we are going to cut you off from the waters. And then when we cut you off from the waters, you're going to know everything that I know, all of the knowledge about the Yaksa, and you are going to figure out how to destroy us because I have that knowledge. But this is like when Ashok is battling with who he actually is. Like between Ashok as like the soul of Ashok and yeah. the Yaksa as the mm-hmm. soul of it. Like they're going back and forth. So the Yaksa is giving um, Bumika all of like yeah. that information. Yeah, because he's not gonna have any moral compass as Ashok for much longer. Like he feels himself like fully, like fully awakening. <laughs> yeah, like yuxifying. Yeah, he, he, he feels himself fully yuxifying. Oh, that's amazing. That's from now yuxifying. on, we're yuxifying. Uh, <laughs> but he does. He feels himself like that. So this is like the only chance, which is why it's like so tragic too. Because like Bumika's cut off from Priya. She has no way to like tell her what's going on. So she writes that really beautiful letter. And she's like, like, don't come home. Like, this is what's happening. Like, it's very scary. Um, It's very sad. A lot of the choices that everybody's making as individuals, it's almost like they have no other choice but to make them alone. Each of them thinking what's better for the greater good. Yes. 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 Because because Aditya finally decides to get off his fucking ass, <laughs> even though he is losing. He is losing in Saketa at the Maze Fort. But, you know, Rao, poor Rao. He's so in love with him. But Rao goes and, you know, there's this whole situation. And Aditya finally, after pussyfooting around for years, finds his calling. And that is... I love this. Aditya finally finds his calling, and that is to willingly burn. It's just, it's just amazing. It's, just, it's not Malini. It's not the girl. It's the guy who was called by fate to burn. Which was opposite of where we were in the Jasmine throne, where it was mm-hmm. assumed that it was always the women. Yes. So Aditya finally, and like Rao has to watch it, and I feel bad for Rao. He has to like watch, watch all of that. Uh, Rao just like never catches a break. Uh, but Aditya does burn and like that, you know, 
crushes the maze for it and like uh and he says tell everybody that Molony was crowned by a willing sacrifice so he and you know and it was witnessed by everybody so everybody knows and it was also to acknowledge like once again he even though he chose the priesthood when he you know from the first book and he still willingly was as part of the priest book priesthood in the second book nobody was like and I don't know if we talked about it earlier in this episode or if it was something that we were chatting about before we started recording, where he once again was like, no, I'm I'm doing this thing. I'm doing the priesthood and nobody wanted to believe him. Now, here we are like, no, for real. Believe me, like my sister's it like that's that's who it is. <laughs> I didn't want any of this shit. He's like, I didn't want any of this. I'm a priest. I found my calling. Peace out, <laughs> men. Uh, so I I am looking at my notes and we are up to the fantastically brutal scene where Molony stone cold murders her brother right in front of she's just like, mm-hmm, die, die slow and painful. I, I love it. it. So good. I Loved it. It was so good. Revenge just served. She's like, yeah, it's needle flower. It's fine. No, fuck you. It's oleander. You're going to burn from the inside. It's going to hurt and you're going to choke on it. And she watched him. Ooh. Mm. I love that she watched him. And then I think afterwards, like, she just kind of left it. And then everybody was like in a tizzy. Oh, my God. I, he he was found. <laughs> and she's like, oh. Shocking. Is he dead? Is he okay? <laughs> He's dead. Did you confirm it? You can confirm. Are we it. sure? Are we sure? sure? How many people confirmed it? Oh, oh, my he's poor dead. brother. No, sure. but like at that time, she didn't know that Aditya did what he did. So it was afterwards. She was yeah. like, they were like, your brother died, and she was like, yeah, no, and they were like, no, 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 the other no, one, no, the, the one you fuck. like, even She's though like fuck. he kind of pisses you off. Yeah, it's like damn. Uh, then, but before this, of course, um. Uh, Chandra is dramatically, dramatically uh, betrayed by the priests. And that that whole confrontation scene is just so good. Molly, just like not. Anything bad that happens to Chandra, you are not going to get an ounce of like emotion from me. I'm like, uh, good. <laughs> yep. Just like, no, nope, whatever. That time. Uh, Priya has to go stab Molly. Uh, meanwhile, Ashok takes uh, Padma to Rook and says, run. Run with Padma. You uh, you are responsible for her. You need to go. Um, Ashok also says that Manihara is returning. We are preparing the way for her. And then it is revealed that Ashok is Irali Araria, right? I have my note says Irali Aria. It's like two separates, right? It's two different words. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I'm hearing... Aralia from Throne of Glass. So now oh, I'm yeah, like, wait. Like, they're Ari, Irali, Ar- Ara- Aralia. Aralia. It is, it is two different words. He he is, so Ashok is revealed to be the second Yaksa that came out. Uh, they are preparing the way for Manihara, who uh, is Priya, who has chosen Priya as her, like, um, her Body. spokesperson. Yeah, the, yeah. All, all of that. Manihara is going to yuxify. She's going to yuxify. <laughs> all the <Priya>. yuxifying. Um, <laughs> we are up now to my second favorite scene. This is, so Priya... And Malini have a standoff, right? They have a fucking standoff. But Priya does 
the thing and she stabs Malini and she does say like, I didn't stab you in the heart. Like you'll live, you'll live, you'll live, you'll survive this. And Malini is like, fuck you. I will hate you forever. And you know what? Fair. She's mad. I get it. Uh, but my favorite part of this is Karthik comes like strolling in and he's like, mm, about this. We're so, you're still going to burn, right? You're still going to burn. Yeah. Say it louder. And Melanie's like, yeah, yeah, totally. I'll burn. Help me. Help me. Help me stand up. And the uh, we listened to this in the audiobook, and the audio part of this is so you're just like because you know at this point we know Malini at this, and you hear her like she's choking on her own blood, she's been stabbed, like she's struggling. Help! Ah, uh, you like you can visual. It's so good. It's I'm just gonna say it's so good. <laughs> and the words are like she's clawing her way through the tent and like she's saying like she will not die. This will not be wrenched from her. She's just such a fucking badass. And what does she do? She's like, Karthik, yes, I will burn. I will burn for her. I'll burn for Parajat Vitva. I will do it. I will do it. And then she fucking stabs him in the neck like a fucking cold, cold, stone cold killer. Oh my God. No, but I don't even think of it like that. I love that. I don't even think she's like a stone cold killer. She's she's in survival mode. And she even said, you forgot one thing about me. Like I kill priests. Yeah, like this is nothing to me. And shame on you. This is just like a whole like know your enemies kind of thing. If you didn't know this about me, like fuck you because I've never made I've never made this a secret. Yes. Oh gosh, she's so fucking awesome. Uh she so then she starts screaming for help and then we have a dead priest and um Priya is gone and the weird knife is there and Malini has like uh, like wounds, like weird wounds from that knife. And Malini says, uh the priest says I have to live. I must live uh to save us from the yaksa because the yaksa are returning. I must live. You and at that point me. I was like you are amazing like you know she's thinking on her feet so quick it's like um remember julie of course you remember julie and blackthorn and in the first dark artifices everybody's thinking on their feet real quick we gotta pull a lie together i love it i'm yeah. here for it it was it was just amazing and then of course um of course molly passes out after that she's out for like three weeks uh and then she has to like get herself like, together in and out of coma yeah. and stuff yeah uh, Sima and Rao kind of go off together because Sima, uh, is left in camp after Priya disappears. Priya makes her way back to, uh, to the Hirana. Who does she see? Who does she see? She sees Ashok. Fucking Ashok. And uh, I'm like, again? <laughs> yep. Fucking Ashok again. Of course, we know it's not Ashok, but right. she doesn't, she, here's the thing. She doesn't know anything. Like, she doesn't know anything that has happened because she's been cut off this whole time. She just yeah. knows, like, something is fucky. And it's just, oh, my God. So that ended. I was just like, oh, my God. She's walking in into, into this. this mess that she has no idea what's going on. And then, like, Molony, all of this stuff. The book ends like that. This book is fucking fantastic. I can just keep gushing about it. But unfortunately, well, I can't say unfortunately. Unfortunately, based on our opinions, but other people didn't have the same opinions as like you. If people are listening at the tail end of this still, you could tell how much we are both very passionate about it. Um, but not everybody had the same passion 
were they were passionate, just not in the positive way, which everyone's entitled to their opinions. But but like, damn. And Jess did the work. Jess went on Reddit like the queen that she is. I did a Reddit. Y'all would be so proud. So proud of her. And uh, yeah, people people didn't like the politicking. People thought it was slow. People thought it was what dis- uh, too descriptive or like too. They they just there was it was like descriptions slow, um, too too. I saw so somebody even said they didn't like the character arcs. It was just it, it's interesting because. I know that there are sometimes that we've had the discussions of not needing all of the flowery descriptors, but it works in this case. Like I felt so immersed. I didn't, I, I wasn't like, Oh my God, another one. I didn't fast forward or skip or anything. I felt it was necessary. It didn't, Oh, they, people were saying it was slow. I didn't think it was slow. I think everything it, I don't know if this book could have gotten away with being shorter I don't think so. I think you needed all of that. To, and you needed the atmosphere and the tension and the richness and the, the dark undercurrent of like wrongness. They say that a lot. There was like, it was wrong. Something was wrong. Um, so it's like wrongness, sacrifice, hollowing, um, you know, the will to live and defiance are and in the face of like prophecy are kind of like the themes here and it, they're all just so good i am dying to know uh if you have a favorite scene i don't immediately the the only one that really the only two that come to mind this very second were molony uh unaliving like stabbing him in the neck yeah. i think that's what she said it was like yeah. really like right it, it was neck. it was quick and um just Malini and Priya scene together. Um, Bumika, there was a part that when she was when she was talking to the Yuxa, like making the arrangement, and she wasn't. That part frustrated me only be, and I love Bumika, but that part frustrated me because she didn't ask the questions. It was another one of those situations where they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just fine. I guess if you can't promise it, like if that's the best you got, no, don't give me a best. I want it in writing. <laughs> yeah, I want it in writing. I want a detailed bullet point list. Yeah. But overall, I think it, it's really like just the self-awareness that was coming across because and and it not even th- there was no miscommunication. The communication was there and everybody was like knew where each other were. And like I said, because of the self-awareness, they knew where the other person was at and they um, accepted each other because of all of it too, but I think I, I think I would have to do another reread to really be like this. This is the scene, and we know you. Do you have? I know you, your favorite scene. Do you have a scene that was just like kind of frustrating? A scene that was kind of frustrating. Um, no, because all the frustrating scenes ended up satisfying in the end. <laughs> you know, they all yeah. got it. So no, not really frustrating. Uh, I was more just. I I don't know. I was so deeply into it that it was hard to pull myself out of it when it was yeah. over. I just wanted to like keep going and find out what happens. I really yeah. just want to find out what happens because I like stuff like this when it when this um you know this middle travel book which is what kind of like middle books in a trilogy are and that's what they're doing. They're just moving from place to place and having battles did not Feel like that. 
No, no. And we, and that's been a critique that we've had in other traveling books where, you know, whether it's a trilogy or duology, whatever it may be, it just felt like so much could be cut out, but it, it, it felt like so much, but for this book, it felt like so much was happening in those moments as well. Yeah. And I think that goes to uh, the writing being well done and the in the politics being well thought out and well done and easy to follow, but also intriguing enough that you actually care enough to follow. And that is important because politics, when you are interested, are so easy to skip over and not make any connections. No, and I think it, the politics... They're they're necessary. You can't skip over it because it's the whole plot. Yes, it's the whole it's the whole thing. Um, you said earlier how you would love to see certain scenes, um, in in a in a HBO level because you know we we've gone through like different different streaming services and different you know cable providers, what have you, studios making things. If would you want this into a series to get the details or would you want it a studio level like how Lord of the Rings is a trilogy, but it is I mean, it's a beloved movie trilogy also. I don't know. I don't know. It would depend, you know? What's the budget? We, and we don't have the third and we yeah, don't have the we third don't have one. it. We don't have it. So like what what would be the the budget because here's the thing i was thinking about this earlier so the last of us is coming out soon and of course like um you know i love video games i love the last of us i don't play the last of us that's just because i personally don't play uh, first person shooters but i have watched um editor sam play the last of us i really love it uh, and in that uh tv show in that trailer they have a very good visual of the clickers which are um plant-esque <clears throat> so i feel like it could be done at an hbo level if you take the time to make here's the thing it could be very easy to make the yaksa look bad cheap and cgi heavy yeah just just bad when when a practical effect would be amazing so i i think or, or, or like a combination, kind of the way they did Davy Jones from Pirates. But like that kind of detail would just be lovely, right? If you had someone take the time to do it. So like, yes, uh, a major motion picture could do that. But also I think with the politicking, I think it would be really nice to play it out on, uh, into, on like a TV mid- in a series. Yeah. Um, because this is this is just because it's in like fresh in my mind. Um, everybody is watching House of the Dragon, and with the time jumps there, everyone is kind of saying, like, oh, I mean, you know, awesome, but, like, I would really love to stay here and, like, flesh out some of these politics a little bit more. Uh, so I think because of that interest, right, of, like, you know— yeah, move the story along, but like, let's flesh out these politics a little more. Um, an audience could be there to make a case for TV. Yeah. Plus, I, I don't think, like we were saying with the descriptors, I don't think you can really kind of skirt over some of the things. Like, it's all the, the amount of detail is necessary and you won't, you won't really, you might not necessarily get that in a movie. Yeah, it would be one of those you see it in a movie. And then, of course, the book is better than the movie because it irons things out. Um, 
but you need to it would you would have to have that background. You know what I have found very helpful in watching fantasy shows. This is just a little like tip that is not related to this book at all. Um but Jess, I know that you watch with captions on. I also watch with captions on. Um sometimes captions can be kind of spoilery and they give you the name of the person that is speaking and that name might not be like in the conversation. Oh, like they're in like the doorway or something and we haven't cut to the doorway yet. Yeah, but like they say something and then it's the name. It's like this person said something, but they're like not in the it, they're like not supposed to be named, but it's kind of like a spoiler. Um oh. I have found that when you do that and you pay attention to that, it can be very helpful. Um and also whispered dialogue the is whispered dialogue. Mm-hmm. Ugh, you know I'm hard of hearing, so that always yep. said is huge for me. You're like, wait, what's being said? Yeah. And in fantasy, whispered dialogue can be very important. So these are other just and especially in this book uh, with all of the whispering and like the politics and the overhearing. overhearing. Yep. So this that this is just where my head is at. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also <laughs> we're recording on Sunday night. So I'm also in a very like Game of Thrones mindset. <laughs> So thanks for joining us. Um, you can feel free to follow us on Instagram, Acafe Podcast. We're also both on uh, TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. If you are listening on any of your social platforms that give ratings, we'd so appreciate if you give us a five-star rating and any positive reviews um, if you have the time. So thanks again. We look forward to discussing more. Uh, we will note that Tasha Story does have a third one coming out. It's the final book in the trilogy. Uh, no title yet. No cover reveal. Um, But hopefully we find that out um, soon or within the new year. So thanks for listening and talk to you all soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye.